0: Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Praising the Lord, you live a life of that. Whether you're saying it out loud, if you're not in the company where no one's around, or you can thinking continually about the things God's done, when you're driving down the road. and I reference it a lot, because I think about this very often. We had a lot of trouble with our water and things when we moved out to where we're at, and I spent um, the better part of six years. Having so much trouble with it, and finally, about four years ago, I got it pretty much com- fixed. But it really created an atmosphere with which I began to be thankful for the things that we don't think about. You know, you don't have to do anything besides pay your, you know, ours is like a hundred dollars a month for our water bill, but we have a lot of people. And most of the time, the extent to which people think about when you go to the faucet and turn on water is if it doesn't work or the time that you write a check or whether you have direct deposit or whatever for the bill that comes out. That's about the extent that most people ever think about what happens and what has to happen for you to turn on that water and to get water coming out. You know, I had a lot of feedback Sunday about the mentioning of, you know, people that had grown up in houses without, uh, without plumbing and without electricity and the times in our lives, you know, when we had beepers and you didn't have phones with you, you had to stop a pay phone if you were traveling somewhere. Or if you didn't have those means, you could be gone on a month trip out west and there'd be people in your family, I remember many situations where someone had a family member die, there was no way to get a hold of them. They were traveling and there was no way. Things have progressed so rapidly, not only in this country in the last hundred years, but it's easy for us to become complacent. When we get in a car, You ever notice, you know, driving 30 minutes to church, you know, sometimes as people will drive 30 minutes or an hour, you know, you can tend to become grumblers. You can be tend to be like the Israelites coming out of Egypt and you can start going, you know, we passed so many churches on the way to church. You know, I've thought of that, right? Because, wow, we live on the other end of the county and there's churches. There was one, two miles down, three miles down the road from me that needed a pastor, Southern Baptist Church, and how easy it would be if you're not living the Spirit's call, and yielding yourself to God's desire, God's purpose, and God's plan to justify beginning not only to grumble, but then to justify sin and getting outside of God's covenantial blessing because, well, we just get apathetic, we get complacent, we get in a car and drive to church not thinking about what happened 100 years ago. The majority of people at Longview Baptist Church 100 years ago would have just been a few years before that seen the first car. And you think about in in 1923, can you imagine, and you think 1923, Longview Road was blowing up and people were just rolling up through here with cars, you've lost your mind. It was not, it was a, the process had really just begun to get in swing and the bigger cities had more cars, but in rural areas like this, they were few and far between. People didn't have that kind of money, you know, what was it, $860 if I remember correctly for a Model T when they were new, is that right? <clears throat> I don't care who you are now, $860 is a lot of money now. Amen? I mean, it's a lot of money. Now when you think about people dropping $100,000 now for a truck, you just think, could you imagine taking that back to 1923 and saying, hey, you want someone to give me $100,000 for a new truck? They'd laugh at you. That's more money in the world in their sense could ever achieve of obtaining. But what I pray tonight does, because the message God laid in my heart is this, what, has, what he has done Turn to Psalm chapter 105. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3. And I'll finish my, my mind frame real quick before while you guys are looking for that. <clears throat> God really just continues to reiterate and reaffirm the importance of not only praising Him and, and having a personal heart of thanksgiving, but also proclaiming to others what God has done. The reason that I always do praise reports I've been in many churches where you had prayer requests. You didn't have times for praise at all. It was always, what do we need to pray about? Not a, hey, why don't we testify about what what has God done? When you have the ability to praise God, what you're doing is, you're not bragging on your situation. I would hope not. I hope when you hear about being praise time, you're able to, to magnify the person of God in the blessing of his supernatural provision And when you drive down the road next time, why don't you think about a hundred years ago when you sit in that car in a climate-controlled environment, and whether you have cruise control or you don't have it, whether you have a five-speed or an automatic, it doesn't matter. When you sit in that seat, imagine a hundred years ago if you were leaving church to drive however far it is to your house, what time you would get home if you were on horseback. How long it would take you to get home tonight if you had a family family and you guys were in a horse-drawn carriage, how long would that take to get home? You think this nice, smooth road we have out here was what they rode on? You've got another thing coming. It was dangerous. People lost their lives. In the summertime, imagine if you've got a sick child that starts manifesting the sickness at church, and you've got to drive home for the next 20, 30 minutes or whatever it is in the heat. You don't have fresh water like we have right now. Anybody ever think back to those days when they didn't have penicillin? Think back to the days when they didn't have the narcotic pain control or even the non-narcotic, even something as simple as Tylenol or Ibuprofen. When you or I don't feel well, you can call into work and use a sick day or maybe you don't have enough buildup at work but you really don't need it because you have a little bit of savings and to take a few days off if you had to is really not gonna be an issue. Try that back then. If you didn't get up in the morning and go out and milk cows, you didn't have milk. If you didn't get up and go and work, you lost everything. They didn't get the opportunity when they had a cold to get lazy and sit around and watch Turner Network television, HBO, Prime Prime Video for that matter. They had no ability to do anything. Everything was focused. It was a microcosm of family. Everything was. Everything revolved around family. And what? God and family, period. That was everything. You didn't go bowling. You didn't go roller skating. You didn't go catch a matinee. You didn't go to Nashville and watch a hockey team play hockey on an indoor ice ring. You didn't watch a football player go out and beat each other half to death for way more money than they deserve to get and beat each other to an oblivion so in their 40s they're all at the capacity of an 8-year-old dying early deaths because of it as we sit around and celebrate it. They couldn't do that back then. They didn't have all of the luxuries that we have. This week's vacation or two weeks or a month for that matter. These people lived hand to mouth. The vast majority of people back then lived hand to mouth. And I'll tell you what, though, if you go back and you read a lot of the literature from those days, you read the personal letters that people wrote, they were filled with praise. They were filled with the blessings, even in spite of the adversity and the heartaches. All you've got to do is go and look at the 100 years ago on the tombstones, and many of them, their epitaphs on the, on the tombstones, speak to their love for the Lord. You know there was so much focus around the family unit, and then when you died, it, whether it was a flu. or, You know people what is it the turn of the century, the average life expectancy was what, 42 years old, if I remember correctly? It was not much older than that, if any. It might even have been younger than that. We are so blessed. So tonight, my question to you is, my statement to you is, not even question, what has he done? That's the title of night's message. What has he done? What has he done in your life? Are you looking, when you go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, do you now get a heart of thanksgiving as you leave here tonight and say, God, I am so blessed. When you think about this winter, when it was zero, I remembered our house this winter, it was zero. I purposely, I remember at two o'clock in the morning, as I went to the bath, I said, God, I could not imagine tonight walking out to an outhouse to go to the restroom at two o'clock in the morning when it's zero outside. And I just thanked him. I just sat there and said, God, thank you. And I realized, Lord, how blessed we are. And I don't ever want to take it for granted. And God just teach me to continually have a heart of thanksgiving because you are so good. And I hope that that gives birth to this in all of our lives tonight. Maybe you are a person who's doing this and God just encourages you by it. You might be like me and you know what it's like when you turn on the water and you've got a big problem, not the Bedford County Water District, you have a problem. You know what it's like at two o'clock in the morning when your water lines freeze and you're up at two o'clock in the morning. You know what those battles are like, so what it's done is given you the ability to do what I do when you turn that on, be so ever thankful for that blessing of that running water. If not, I wanna encourage you tonight to step back and just introspectively say, Father, If I only had tomorrow, what I praised you for today, God let my life every day be in such a way that I would literally be lacking nothing ever because of my heart and my lifestyle, my attitude of thanksgiving, my attitude of praise and worship because you've been so good to me. Hope you found Psalm 105 again, just looking at three verses, verses one through three. And if you're able physically, let's stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word. Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Proclaim his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell about all his wondrous works. Honor his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Father, thank you tonight again for this privilege we have to read your word. Lord, burn it in our hearts. Transform us. Conform us. Grow us. Convict us. Father, whatever it is that you need to do tonight, We give you full and free reign, Lord. Lord, let our lives be living sacrifices to you, pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray, amen. may be seated. Verse one, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, proclaim his deeds among the people. So as I was meditating on that, focusing on what God would have me share, a question came into my mind. And it was literally a question that that I ended up being our first point tonight. It says, has God been good to you? Because see, if we read this, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, proclaim his deeds among the peoples. If you were driving to church tonight and you were sitting there uh, focused on the things you don't have, Maybe you've been in the car all day saying, you know, I got this and I got that. And God, I don't understand why you're doing that. And, you know, you've not thought about any kind of praise and worship because you've been sitting there grumbling to the Lord, just literally kind of like the Israelites, if you think about it, about what needs to be fixed, what's not fixed, what isn't right. It would be difficult to have that mindset right there because how in the world, if we're sitting there complaining about what we think we deserve and what God has forgotten and left out when this calls us, this doesn't say, if everything's going, give thanks to the Lord and call on his name. No, this is to me a call to all of us as followers of Christ, as lovers of God. Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, proclaim his deed among the peoples. What God is saying is, you've been promised that I'll supply all of your needs. And by the way, that's not even talking about the elective things, the things that we pray about that Really, you know, God, give me a new this or that, or God, I want to buy a new vacation home, and maybe God's blessed you with one. Nothing wrong with that. Have you proclaimed, you're thinking, well, God, you haven't done any of that for me, so you've just supplied all my needs, so I don't have to have this heart because I'm not there yet. I want to tell you one thing. You better be thankful for those promised needs because that's all he ever promises to give us in the first place. God promises to supply all of our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ. Truly, what more can we want? What more could anybody want than the blessings that God has poured out on us, lavished on us. When God's promise is never to fail to meet those needs, the only way that we could have a heart that would not be grateful and see that blessing for what it is is a heart that has become apathetic or complacent. What does apathy do? Apathy forgets all of the things that God's done, and it's like you, like many times we are with, with your boss, may have with you at work, in a bad working environment, what is it? You could go in and save the company through decisions that have been made. But you know what happens? Over a short period of time, after the accolades have stopped and the, the, frame, uh, the frame picture on the wall with the president of the company, he's long since gone, there's another buddy there. Every time you go to work, this is what the mindset is. What have you done for me lately? What have you done for me lately? Because you have to prove yourself as valuable to a company, especially in a state like Tennessee, because it's an at-will employer. I don't have an issue with that. I think it's great. We should encourage people to be good workers. Amen? We should not allow failure to be rewarded. If you disagree with me, just don't say anything about it. We won't fight. Amen? What I'm saying is, the Bible says that everything we do, we should do as unto the Lord. So I don't care where you're working, whether you're a union or whether you're somebody else. You should be doing the best job that you physically can do. And if not, you're in sin. I don't care what your boss said to you or what your boss has done. If you're not doing your job and doing it to the glory of God, you are in sin right now. And that, that job is a blessing from God that he's given you to provide for your family. Don't, don't lose your life over it, meaning don't be foolish and sacrifice your life for a job or for the promise of what possibly could be down the road by all of this neck breaking you're doing right now. It doesn't matter because ultimately everything is passing away. Money is nothing more than a means to an end. God has give, given us money as an avenue with which we are to glorify and honor him. And the rightful place for that money to be should be long down in that flow chart after God, family, work, and all these different things. Lord, did I let money? I know I need it, Lord, but let, give me enough, what, not to steal and so that I don't starve. As scripture, I'm just kind of paraphrasing what scripture says about it. Don't allow money to control you because it is a wicked taskmaster. It's a liar. And it will take you and it will rob you and it will allow you to serve it. And it loves you to serve it instead of it serving you in the, the plan and purpose that God has for you in for your my life. But see, has God been good to you? Sit there and focus and meditate. I even encourage you tonight as you're laying in bed. Some of you have trouble going to sleep. That's okay. What a good time to reflect on the beauty of God's blessings to you lay there and and think about that water maybe you've never thought about it until i said that tonight and it's caused your mind the wheels to start turning turn on that water faucet Praise God when you turn that on. You know what else it'll do? When you mindlessly turn that water on and you're thinking about worrying or you're thinking about something you shouldn't be, you'll have an avenue with which you're able to praise God and redirect your mind to have a continual heart and attitude of worship instead of this fear, instead of this temptation and all the foolishness that Satan wants to to overwhelm our minds with so that we become ineffective for the kingdom. Remember, he can't steal our salvation, so what does he want? He wants to make us completely ineffective for the kingdom work if he can get us in here shouting and hanging from the chandeliers on Wednesdays and Sundays but we do nothing out those doors and people never see Christ in our life as he was sharing in that praise then what have we done we've done exactly what the enemy wanted us to do and you are gonna go no I'm shouting glory because I got saved but you did nothing for the kingdom so how do you believe that you were effective when you've been commanded to go and be a disciple To be a disciple maker every single day in any instance, whether it's a stay-at-home mom, whether it's a support personnel or whatever it might be, you might not ever leave a house. You can be more obedient at your house as a stay-at-home mom than somebody who is the head of a Fortune 500 company who could have Bible study every day if they're outside of God's will or they don't do what God has offered and, and given them the option to do in having that Bible study. So we often get confused that, that it's size of the people that we're ministering to is where the value is seen. And you got to be really careful because it's very easy to fall into that mindset. I know pastors, I hear them talk about it. I know the young pastors. I know the ones that are seeking and have this ambitions for TV type or big church things. You always see it. They always reference it. You know, man, look at the ministry of such and such. And they always reference something. Well, you look at the guy on TV and look at I'm not looking at my own TV and caring what they're doing. Because that's not my ministry. That's not where God's called me. I hope they're right. I hope they're hitting it 100%. And I hope even the guy that's on there bilking people out of 20 to $50 for a stinking cloth that he said he touched and prayed over, I hope that, it, that he's in the right frame of mind before God because God forbid if he's not. I hope they have a great frame of mind and there's something extremely innocent and what I see is not real good. You should offer to send them and and all you have to do is pay for postage if that's what you want to do. But I'm scared because you see so many people that turn the gift of salvation, the word of God, into an avenue with which to profit off of. You want to be where God wants you. You want to be faithful. And I know there's a lot of really good pastors out there, and I'm thankful for those ones. But I know there's some really bad news things out there that are leading people astray. And that's why I say I don't seek that ambition. I don't want that ambition. The same way that you or I shouldn't want to be at Longview because somebody said how exciting it is to be here. We want to be here because God wants you here. You don't want to go, and the next thing you know, you hear, oh, such and such church. Man, they've got a rock band up there and everything else. And, boy, I want to go there now, and you feel like God's moving you. You better be really careful, because when you start to appeal to the emotional side, and I love music now, church. Listen, I've been in some of the greatest churches, and I've been in some of the greatest music halls. I was in the Christian music business, and then I was at CRT, and at CRT, we're in the secular music business also. I've been to some really good concerts, and I've seen some really good performers perform. But I will promise you, you never, ever want to go to a church because you want to be entertained. It better be about worship, and anytime you start being careful, you got to be real careful because the human emotional side loves some emotion, don't we? You can play the right music in here right now, and I'm literally, I'll go to a whole other dimension spiritually. Music moves me. That's why I personally have to be careful. Because it'd be really easy if some church called me and said, listen, we got this dynamic praise and worship team. We've got 50 people in our whatever and smoke lights and the whole nine yards, man. And we're just up in here bombing for Jesus. You know how easy it is to start going, oh, man, you know, they got to develop this. and They got a school and they have this and that. And wow, you know, we don't have to build nothing. We don't have to do the on the work, the years of... Of investment that end up leading to vibrant ministries like that have a lot of talent and things. It's real easy to get selfish, isn't it? I know many years ago I had a family that went to another church, and they had been wanting to be a part of growing things here, and they had talked about how much they wanted to be involved in developing ministries. And one day they just disappear with their children, and and, and, you know, end up. Hey, what's going on? You know, well, I uh, just—it's a lot easier to go where the programs are already developed. I said, so you said to me you wanted to be part of establishing the ministries that you're seeing at other churches so we have a greater ability to outreach, but you're not willing to sacrifice to help make those a reality for the others down the road here? He goes, Yeah, I know that's very selfish of me, but it is what it is. All that did is show me the heart. Easy's great, isn't it? That's what I'm saying. It could be real appealing. 2008, when I come to Longview to go, no way, man. I'm going to a church where they're established, you know, at least a little bigger, have, have you know, at least a 50, 60, 80, 100-member congregation. No, I go where God wants, and that's what I hope you understand about being here. You never want to leave here unless God's moving you because you'll leave in peace. If you leave here and you're not in a state of peace unless I've done something unscriptural, on unbiblical, on and you've gone down the biblical path to do it, You're not going to be praising God for what he's done in your life that's been good because there won't be anything good because you'll be outside of his will. And it gets real painful quick when we step outside God's will. But see, tonight, church, listen, give thanks to the Lord, call his name, proclaim his deeds among the people. God has been good. He's been so good. What tonight would I want to do to step outside of that covenantal promise and blessing? I don't want to do anything to do that. Does it, does it happen at times where attitudes and actions will pull us outside of that because of us, our sin that drags us away? Absolutely. 1 John 1, 9, though, you claim that, you confess that sin, you repent of it, you rebuke it, and you get back in the protective bubble of God's blessing. There's nothing in this world that will ever replace that covenantal promise in the new covenant in Jesus Christ and the fulfillment that we find in that. Nothing will. I don't care what you ever try. There's not a drug on the planet, there's not an amount of money, and there's not a person that will ever fulfill you like living in the midst of God's desire, plan, purpose, and will for your life. Nothing will ever come close. It will leave you empty, it'll leave you broken, and as that song from Keith Green says from the 70s, you can run to the end of the highway and you will not find what you're looking for. You will not. You'll come back broke, you'll come back tired, you'll come back weary. And you at that point, if you do you better be praying that Proverbs chapter 1 and Romans chapter 1 towards the end of those chapters hasn't played out. And then when destruction comes about, right as Proverbs chapter 1 says, God will laugh when calamity overtakes you. Be careful playing with the gift of Christ, the goodness of God and his faithfulness. Second thing tonight is verse 2. Listen, sing to him, sing praise to him, tell about all his wondrous works. What is that doing again? Hey, this is now worshiping in song, This is proclaiming the goodness of God. Look about what? Tell about all his wonderful works. Just like I've been saying to you tonight. I wish we had the time and I'd go in here and and popcorn it because I don't want everybody to get like deer in the headlights and we'd take 30 minutes to get three people to say it. But think about the things in your mind. Just start saying them in your mind as we're doing this God, my water. God, my health. God, that hell scare that could have ended my life, Lord. Oh, God, you are so faithful. We've got people, person after person, that are laying loved ones down in death, Lord, and you have been so good. Your covenantal protection, Lord, yes, I recognize that someone could be lost in my family, but they're not lost, Lord. They're merely going home as a a Christian to be with, with you into your presence. Should be the sole desire of every person in this building to finish the race that God has laid before us, to cross the finish line and enter his presence and hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I hope that's your desire tonight. Are you proclaiming? Are you singing to him? Are you praising him? Are you telling God about the wonderful works? Are you telling the world? Singing to the Lord and proclaiming to others the goodness of God. Because when we don't do that, what are we doing? It's in a sense where we feel like we're owed it. You know, Lord, I mean, you know, I'm under the covenantal promise. You just, you're just good. And, I, you know, Lord, you know how I try to do good things and try to help people? You know, Lord, I, I deserve. No, we don't. Our righteousness is its filthy rags. We deserve nothing but the wrath of God, and in His grace, He's extended salvation through Jesus Christ, as that old hymn says, a robe of righteousness that Jesus Christ paid for on our behalf. When we shall, he shall come with the trumpet sound on may I then in him be found dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ's solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. I love, that, I love that song because that song strips away all the pretense of what we think we are and what we think we've done. And it literally just exposes the goodness of God's glory and the majesty of salvation through Jesus Christ being given to us in nothing more than His grace. His grace and His mercy. Wow, God is faithful, isn't He? God is good. And then verse 3. Honor His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Second thing tonight, I, I don't know if I put did there. Have you praise the Lord and shared what He has done? Have you praised the Lord and shared what He's done? Have you praised the Lord internally? You got the internal aspect of that, which is you just sing praises to the Lord? And then have you externalized that? The externalizing of that is sharing with others. Yesterday, there was a patient that was using foul language, and I'm sorry, as an employee, and I just said, I'm sorry, but to hear you use that language, would you please not do that? And she looked at me like she was stunned. And I said, you know, I at the house you know, I try not to do that, I don't do that. My children, we have this thing where I say, not do as I say, not as I do. So I want my kids to talk you know, the way I talk and I don't use that colorful metaphors. They might seem fun and really cool, but they're really, reduce you to nothing. And I said it, and she like 10, you know, could just tell she's kind of shot and then she comes back and goes, you know, it's really wild that that bothers you. I said, yeah, I haven't heard that word. And I don't know when I, it's It Honestly, it's the, the most hard, just agonizing to hear those kind of words come out of somebody's mouth well I won't do that at first she was defensive but then you could tell she's kind of like it's soaked in and she recognized actually I could get her fired because they're not allowed to do that at the work they said if they do that and they don't listen they'll get fired they can leave but I don't want to do that I just want to do it the right way Matthew 18 I went to her amen and if she doesn't respond to that in a couple of times then I just go and get another one get an administrator and we get it fixed but I don't need to allow myself, or should, because I'm a Christian, should that just take it? You should just allow the world to use that extremely, that's not appropriate either, why? Because the setting of the patience, they don't need to hear that language either. You might say, well that's lost people being lost, absolutely, but even in lost culture, being vulgar is not normally socially accepted, is it? So, all I'm asking for as a Christian, just to recognize that, hey, I don't like the talking like that. You know, I don't mind cutting up. We'll have a great time. But at the same time, let's, let's respect one another. Hey, I'm, I'm praising God and defending the, the, the ears that I have, and I don't need to be exposed to that either. So imagine what God can use, though, through that patience now, are saying to other patients, please don't use that language in front of him if one of them says something. But you know what that's doing, right? That's allowing the testimony that God has placed me there to be I'm not, I I have never once unkindly, I've never said, you know, I'm better than you. No, I've just said, hey, would you mind not using that language in front? Very nice, very calm, very kind. I haven't had one person that was unkind or said that they wouldn't do it. Every one of them now is very kind to me. Every one of them are telling other patients. So what is that doing? That's creating an atmosphere where I'm able to, to, to work in a place where it's, a cohesive bond of peace and unity, not having to allow the enemy these opportunities because maybe I don't have the backbone to say something or I'm scared I might hurt somebody's feelings. I did it compassionately, I did it lovingly, I did it kind, and you know what? Hey, if you praise the Lord and shared what he's done, I know that in doing that, I'm praising the Lord and sharing what he's done because God has saved me. And, And people know that I'm a Christian. And people know that I love the Lord. And people know that I'm there to talk to when they need to be talked to. So those same people that if they wanted to get upset would have not come and talked to me, but now they come and talk to me about issues they're having with family and relationships. And, hey, what I, I don't know about what to do. Would you pray for this kind of things? So God's using that. Amen? It's reason for me to praise God because God is at work. And what is experiencing God said? I don't go start something and then me decide to go and ask God to show up at my... My uh, thing that I've created, my creation, no, what God's done is God has put me where He is at work. And He's already working there. God's already in the, all I did was show up to where God is ever present and at work and what God's doing. Church, tonight I can pray to God for that because I can share with you just like I've done right now what God has done. Hey, patient, a person that uh, I firmly believe would not have lasted through the weekend when I went in Monday was there. And I said, I want you to know I've been praying for you and I didn't know if I'd get to see you. And she said, I'm here because you prayed for me. So see, God is at work. God's doing things. I use these opportunities with them To always reflect, bring the conversation back to something spiritual, something to encourage. I was encouraging somebody discouraged yesterday who was ready to be done with life. And I said, listen, God's been good to you. You have so many blessings. Don't look at these few setbacks you're having. Just focus on these good things that God's done. I said, right now, you haven't been, pray. Pray, and next thing you know, it came back by to bring medication. Dead asleep. So God is good. God is faithful, but you've got to use these opportunities to not only God, when you wake up in the morning, praise God for all He's done. Praise Him for the good nights. That's what I do first thing when I get up. God, thank you for another day. I have to look at the time sometimes because sometimes it's the day before. But then I'll wake up. Thank you for today. God, use opportunities. Lord, if there's any sin in my heart, Lord, anything that I didn't, I confess it. Forgive me. Cleanse me, Lord. God, use me today. Thank you for this blessing and this privilege of one more day to be used for your glory. Lord, take my hearts, my wants, my wills captive to your will. Don't let me be used of the enemy. Don't let me be diverted. Don't let me be in any ways made impotent to the battle, Lord, that you right now have us in as followers of Jesus Christ. As somebody said, I read a thing about it recently, we are at war. That's what we're in. We're not in a battle, we're at war with the enemy, amen? It's already won. But we're still gonna fight the battle until Jesus Christ comes back. And we can't be weak-willed, and we can't have a God that is not capable or possible of movement and work. We're not serving an idle church, we serve a living God. We serve a God that is real, a God that's on the throne, a God that is all-powerful, and a God that can do what Ephesians 3.20 says, exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think, and that's the promise of God. And God does exponentially above all that we can ever comprehend that he can do. But are you sitting there tonight in defeat? Are you sitting there tonight and you recognize the sin that is involved in your lack of thanking and praising God for what he's given you right now? Think that everybody in this church, I don't know anybody here that's driving a car that literally, you know, some people have cars that break down some, but I don't know anybody here has a bomb. You know what a bomb is? One of those old cars that's just like literally... The thing's running on three of the eight cylinders. And you go out of the park and there's like 19 quarts of transmission fluid during the service. And you go out there and, hey man, I've had those cars. They're just plain scary to get in. You got four May pops on there, you know what May pops are? May pop at any time. Those, those, those tires, that's what you call living on a prayer. It's not Bon Jovi song either. Living on a prayer because you don't have a clue when one of those is gonna blow out. But that's all you've got. You put it in drive and about three minutes later it finally kicks in and you start driving. Hadn't had reversed. Everywhere you go, you have to go out in the middle of the parking lot. Anybody ever had one of those? Where you've got a park where you can't have to back up because if you do, you're stuck. I don't see those out here. Everybody in here has been blessed with a relatively decent car that gets from point A to point B. Maybe it's not perfect, but that's God's blessing to you. When you turn on the water tonight, if, he, if that water's not on, it's not because God turned it off. It's because you didn't pay your bill. Or you have a well pump that's messed up. When you go to the restroom, in your bathroom, you didn't walk out. in The pasture, and you know what? Get out there, and it's a five-foot corn snake. When you sit down on that outhouse toilet, it falls down on you. You don't even know a terror. You don't have a clue of the terror that people experience walking out to outhouses in this nation's history. We are blessed, church. So blessed. And we need to live with an attitude of thinking first thing, God, what have you done for me? God, you have done everything for me. God, you are, if you never gave me anything else but my food and water and never gave me another blessing, God, I could not complain if I lived another 50 years. You are so good. You are so faithful. And that third and final thing I want to share with you right here is this. And it's a question. Does your heart rejoice with the meditations of God's goodness? When you think about the goodness of God... Does your heart get to over, you get excited when you think about what God has done. When you think about the physical things, I know a few of us in here have had situations and been tragically hurt at times and could have gotten killed. Those of you who've experienced that, we know who we are. Those of you who doctors have said, I don't know if they're going to live. The multiple times I've had that. I know the goodness of God. I know when I got home from one of these, I was so sick and the home health nurse came the first night and I asked her, I said, am I going to die? And she said, I don't know. I can't tell you that. When you have your health after something, you've experienced something like that in your life, you wake up every day and you are so thankful for your health. You realize even the things now, you know, my, my joints are stiff, my knee, right knees give me a lot of trouble. My back still gives me all kinds. That's Nothing. Nothing. All of that is going to fall away, man, and it is going to give way to the glory of the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, one day in death. This body, when I wake up and it knocks and reminds me, hey, I'm still here, meaning this body is not made to stay here, church. You can have all kinds of money. You can get Eric Ellison and all the rest of them to inject you with all the things they're trying to do to extend life. All they're trying to do is hang on to spend their money, they're not hanging on just because. They're, they don't want to lose this life because their heaven is this earth. Their heaven is the now. I don't want to extend my life any longer than God's desire and plan plays out in my life. I want to finish that race. I want to finish it strong. And I want to stand in God's presence. And hey, if anything else that you'd want to desire, I hope every person in here desires to be like Stephen. You remember when I pointed out when I preached you that was Stephen. What was the unique point about the stoning of Stephen that I've referenced over and over again here? Lord, forgive me. He prays for him just like Jesus did. And then there's an interesting element within that story that always has absolutely floored me. We hear of Jesus seated at now. You go, wait a minute. Now, Jesus was seated uh, at the right hand of God. We know that after the ascension, correct? So Jesus is seated at the right hand of God The next time we hear about Jesus moving in that chair is at the stoning of Stephen. And if you hear what is in that, and I've poured it out when I preached it, Stephen says, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Gives me goosebumps. You know why it does? Can you imagine if you live such a life and die such a death that Jesus stands upon your entrance into eternity? Brothers and sisters, that's the life I want to live. I don't want to live a life of half-baked apathy and indifference. And uns- I, just, uh, I don't want to sit around here and just be, I want to not be ordinary. I want to be extraordinary in the kingdom. I want to be obedient in the kingdom work. I don't want to stand before God as I've heard somebody say before, I don't care if I just sweep the floors. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Who in the world that is a true follower of Jesus Christ would want to enter with the lowest level of obedience if it were able to be in that position and clean the floors in heaven. That's like telling your parents, mom and dad, I don't want to do good in school as long as I get a D minus, that's all that matters to me. Well, you need to see some because you are extremely depressed. And you've had some people uh, that have helped warp your ambition and desire in life We should do what Scripture says. In everything you do, in word or deed, do it all to the glory of God. Did you hear what I said? That's what the Bible says. So that's what my life should want to be. And I said that to somebody yesterday who made a comment, because that's the big comment where you really walk fast. What's the rush? Well, there's patients that need help, and I only have a certain number of hours to give a whole lot of people way more care than I can physically do. So if I'm apathetically walking down the hall like, well, I'll do what I can, as so many people do, and the rest of it will just have to be let go, I can't have that mindset because then I don't stand vindicated in the presence of the Lord because Scripture calls me everything in word or deed, do it all the glory of God, and meaning that you should do your best in everything that you're doing right now. I don't care if you don't like your job. I don't care if you don't like your boss. It doesn't have anything to do with that. It has to do with who are you working for. If you're working for your boss, then you're not working for God. If you're working for God, you recognize you're not working for that boss because you're working for the kingdom work, and you're going to do what he asks you to do unless he asks you to do something criminal or something that is literally ethically wrong, right? Those the only time scripturally that we're to go, wait a second, no, I'm not doing that. I am a follower of Christ, and I will not engage in X because it is not legal, moral, or ethical. I will do anything up to that point. I'll do what I'm supposed to do and do my job and do it well to the glory of God. See, does your heart rejoice with the meditations of God's goodness, recognizing that God has you in a mission, or in a ministry right now, wherever it is? Maybe you're in a transition period. That's fine too. Maybe God's just changing you in a different direction. My, my real big heart's desire is that we have a missions team at this church. I don't know who God's raising up to do it. You know what I'm not doing? I'm not jumping up, down, shouting every Sunday, begging somebody to step up for it. I'm praying about it because I know God's got a purpose and a plan. The same way that, Eddie, we need help up here with our praise and worship team. And we're praying that God sends the right, gives people the passion and the desire and the consistency and the faithfulness in doing it. And you know what? It's going to happen in God's time. I do recognize that I can't push and I can't make happen what God in His perfect time will make happen flawlessly. See, God is faithful. God's able to do it. The same way, though, that we have to have that attitude of praise and thanksgiving now, I'm thanking God for what ain't being done right now. For what may happen down the road. I'm already thanking God that He is well in advance of any purpose, plan, or desire that we may have. And I want my life to line up with his plans, his will and desire. I don't need God to show up at what I think should be done because he won't. This is not about me starting anything or me doing something that God doesn't desire to be done. That experience in God reiterates and reminds me again that it's not about what I want to do. It's about the kingdom. It's about the glory of King Jesus and in all things him preeminent. What has he done for you? What has God done for you? Are you thankful for the things we take for granted? Maybe tonight God's convicted you of that. And you realize that you haven't been praising God. You haven't been living that heart and that attitude. And maybe you had not been even being faithful. I was tell people this when I'm not a big one on preaching on tithe. And I do and hit it when it goes through Scripture. but I reference it when God hits it. Listen, I can't browbeat you and, and, and wear you out to get you to tithe if you're not doing it. The only thing you can do is get your desire, will, and life in obedience with God's desire for you. I can't make you do the right thing. Only God can do. But I promise you, this is what I say, how many people right now are barely scratching by because they've been unfaithful with what God's given them? And tonight, if they would just step into the trusting of God in the one place God says to test them and start getting faithful with their finances, can you imagine what God could do in this ministry? If every person, you know they often say in churches that what less than 20% of the people give the vast majority of offerings. That's sad because you know that also applies to what? All the ministries that need to be done. You have in some churches 10% doing 100% of the work. Imagine if everybody did a little bit. How much more? Imagine if everybody in the church signed up to do a, 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 a Sunday morning in the worship service. Imagine those who are capable of doing it You wouldn't be in the nursery but once every six months. But right now, I don't know what it is. I haven't heard anybody complaining. I'm not saying that because of it. But I know that not many people, not a ton of people here serve in the nursery. There's a lot of them that happen to do it a lot. But if everybody does a little bit, what does it do? It makes the burden of work a whole lot less. But it takes all of us, the same way with being faithful in your finances, Imagine the things that we could be involved in, the ministries, the missions that we could be involved in if everybody was faithful financially. Imagine in your own life the missions, projects you could be involved in, the day, vacation Bible schools, if people would just adjust things and you save up your vacation instead of reason and taking it off. And think about it, if we just had a kingdom-focused mindset, Lord, let one of my weeks of vacation, I want to do a daytime BBS. By the way, do you know the success rates at daytime BBS have been really well, really good. There's a lot of stay-at-home moms these days. There's a lot of people from other churches that have kids that they have during the daytime that they'll bring even halfway across the county to a daytime BBS. Those are things we don't think about a lot, but it takes people that have a desire for it, a passion And if God lays on your heart to do something, just do it. But then what does it give you to do? Praise God, thank Him for what He's doing Thank him for your water. Thank him for your car. Thank him for this body of Christ. Thank him for people that encourage the body in the way Jesus has been manifest and and shown to the love of this brother who God has blessed us with having in this body of Christ. I appreciate each of you, and I really mean that. We are a body. We're just like what the dollar bill says on E Pluribus Unum. Out of many, we're one. So many different backgrounds, so many different families, so many different places in the country that we've come from, but we're one in Jesus Christ. And I hope tonight that you are blessing the Lord with everything in you. There's, a, there's a, an old uh, praise hymn, Bless the Lord, bless the Lord, that all that is within me bless His holy name. Anybody remember that praise team, uh, song? I love it. Such a great song. But are tonight you living a life of blessing the Lord with everything in you. Let's pray. Father, thank you tonight, Lord, for this psalm. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's word has encouraged you. You feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart, and today you would like to make Him not only the Savior, but the Lord of your life. First, it's important to know that we are sinners, we're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. If today you know you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay for your sin. Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and Savior. It requires you to pray and in faith, ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, and you wanna live for him. I pray today, if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.